Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the Ruby Valley Way Station, where... What order am I in to announce myself? Whenever. Uh, I'm going to be last. I just I just prefer sure, it. Sure, whatever. After Becca. Okay. <laughs> Live from the Ruby Valley Way Station, where we're getting fresh horses, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 324, Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Albert. This is Jim. This is Becca. This you, is Don. You forgot who you were, Becca? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot whether I was at work or at, on the podcast for a second. <laughs> yeah, that transition's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to express, uh, talk about Express and Priority Mail Service out of the New York Post Office, better known as Pony Express. So what's new with the P-O-N-Y mail service? Well, we have mail delivery clear across the nation in only seven days. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Yes. It beats the old record by about 23 days. What's the old record? 30. 30 days? <laughs> oh, that's the other Pony Express. <laughs> that's the Shanks Pony Express. Ah. So how many other than the Post Office New York Express, what other Pony Expresses were there? Well, I... I'm going to say there were probably many, but when we talk about the Pony Express, uh, most everybody thinks about the famous Wells Fargo Pony Express that ran uh, in 1860 to 61 before the telegraph was developed or completed across the nation. But there was also, in this same period, what we call the Virginia City Pony Express, which ran basically from Virginia City, Nevada, to Sacramento, and then by steamboat to San Francisco. That express was implemented in 1862 to 1865, basically to help the stockbrokers selling mining stocks in San Francisco have a little leg up on everything because they could get one-day service. Hold on, hold on. So it took one day to get from Virginia City, Nevada, mm-hmm. which, tell everybody where that is. That's Well, Virginia City is up by Reno. Well, it's above Reno, right? No, it's... No, it's, it's below Reno? Yeah, well, 
geographically, I guess you would say it's south of. Yeah. But it's but it was the center of the mining activity in the Comstock Lode, and they had stations on the Pony that uh, were around there too. So you will find cancels from Genoa, which is the first settlement in Nevada, from Carson City. And, but they didn't issue their own stamps. They did. Oh, they did. Yeah, and that one was that one. That Pony Express was run by Wells Fargo. Originally, the original Pony Express was an enterprise by Russell Major and Waddell, uh, a triumphant triumvirate <laughs> of entrepreneurs that put that together, and um, they were also the same guys that did Wells Fargo Express. So it kind of used the same Franks and everything after a while and kind of merged in. We were talking before with uh, Albert and I were discussing, you know, you really to understand the need for a Pony Express, you you have to understand what was happening in the country at the time. So initially, settlement in the west, let's say west of the Rocky Mountains and probably actually west of... Uh, the Great Plains, um, started um, in 1840s. And when you think of the Donner Party... I, I think, try not to. I think I think almost everybody thinks of the Donner Party as gold rushers that got caught in the snow, but they were actually pre-gold rush. They were, they were travelers, they were entrepreneurs and families that were going to California to settle. And um, that's the way that people went to Texas or someplace else to get a fresh start. So I don't, good. I don't know much about that party, but I assume they were very successful and went there and uh, no event whatsoever occurred. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing really untoward happened. Oh, yeah. they, they've made movies about <laughs> the, the terrible plight that those people went through on their travels across Nevada and over the mountains. Oh, and one, just a little side note, one of the people who survived the Donner Party opened a restaurant. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's true. So um, anyway, so this was the kind of the, there was Western movement to the East Co or West Coast, but obviously there were no mail routes d during this period of time that traversed that area. And then in 1847, 48, in that range, um, the Brigham Young and the Mormon pioneers started coming into Utah Valley. And again, there was no real uh, U.S. federal mail services. The mail was carried by ship from San Francisco down mostly to Panama and then up to New Orleans and New York and that way. So, um, and that was the official route. In 1848, the Mexican-American War, whatever, California basically got its independence from Mexico, and then they started official mail routes on those ships. Prior to that, they'd just been, when the ship was going, that they sent mail. So, and then Brigham Young started a private um uh, service of the Utah um, had a private mail service that was just private carriers and they would carry the mail from Salt Lake City across the plains to Iowa 
and then posted in the U.S. system. So basically, initially there were private carriers, and then there was this long, arduous, 30-plus day trip around uh, down to the isthmus, across the isthmus, and then up through the Caribbean. And just as a note, uh, if you look at our prior podcasts, uh, Albert had a great thing, and we also put a YouTube on it, of the 49ers going from New York area and the ports down to Panama, crossing Panama, and then going up. If you want to check on that podcast, uh, I have no idea what number it is, but it'll be back there and you'll be able to find it. Yeah, and with that background, then you can see that there's they then started issuing um, federal U.S. government contracts to carriers. In 1851, uh, a guy got called Chorpoline. I, I never can pronounce that name right. Do you, do you know how to do it? I mean, short penning or something. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's it's a ch, but it's yeah, chorp. Yeah. and and he ran a route um, from. They they issued a route uh, that came to Salt Lake, and then he ran the route to San Francisco from Salt Lake. From Salt Lake, but after. The first winter, he started to brew it down through southern Nevada and come actually through Las Vegas and down to San Bernardino area and then up the coast because it was avoided the heavy mountain snows. So they had these private carriers and they had all the troubles that you hear about with the Pony Express. They had those too, and these guys didn't survive very long before the Indians or nature killed them. So finally... There was this great need. Well, then they had the gold rush, and that was 1848, 49, and that just made it imperative that they have faster service. And, you know, it was 30 days before news could reach one side of the country from the other. So Russell, Majors, and Waddell came up with this idea of running a Pony Express, and I think they basically said, you know, young men's orphans preferred <laughs> because their life expectancy was not real great in these very hazardous conditions. And they ran the Pony Express for these two years, but with the completion of the telegraph, then they could get news almost instantaneously. So the election news of Lincoln came by Pony Express in 1860. But by 1861, news back and forth was traveling, you know, within minutes on the telegraph. At the speed of electricity. Yeah, this, at, well, at the speed of light, but it had to go from station to station right. by wires. And so if the wires got knocked down in a storm or sometimes the uh, renegades would uh, sever the lines and so forth and they would have an interruption but they still had it quicker. And so they didn't have any need for the Pony Express. It was very expensive. You, you look at the Pony Express stamps and you can tell, you know, they, they initially charged $2 for a letter and then it was, went down to one. And But and this that is was when a lot of money in those days. This is when a money. normal letter cost three, three cents. cents. That's right. Which is the equivalent, if you modify for inflation, about 84 cents. Right. So... You know, eighty-four cents. Uh, so, what about fifty bucks? 
Yeah. In today money. In today money. Yeah. It was which, a lot of money. Which uh, is like. Federal Express overnight priority. Miners were working for five dollars a week, you know. So, and that was better pay than back east. Yeah, yeah. So, that that's kind of the background of why it was needed, uh, and the need was fulfilled in this very unique but very dangerous way. So they went out and they set up all these stations across um, the west, and we're uh, sitting at one. Yes. Well, this this was one that was the, on the alternate mail route, but through um, from Salt Lake, it ran across northern Nevada through Ruby Valley, which is why we are sitting here in the <laughs> in the uh, abandoned fort, and then and it went down through different areas, um, and then once it got to Sacramento. Then it could take the steamboat down to San Francisco. So it never really ran all the way to San Francisco, even though the postmarks are San Francisco on the pony covers and stuff that have survived. That's just where it was mailed. It was carried by steamboat part of the way. So how then do you differentiate an actual Pony Express from a Wells Fargo that isn't a Pony Express? Well, most all of the Pony Express stamp... Uh, Envelopes that were carried by the Pony Express have the stamps on them. Um, the Pony Express stamps that are in the local section in the um, specialized catalog. The um, Virginia City ponies are the same way. Um, there's probably, I, I don't know of any really, um, I, don't, I don't know of any Virginia City pony covers that did not have the stamp. Um, there's some speculation there is a black hand stamp that says paid 25 underneath the Wells Fargo Frank on some covers. <clears throat> but those were used other places, not just along the, the, the route between Virginia City and San Francisco. So it's maybe it paid the Pony Express rate, maybe it paid another rate, we don't know. As far as the transcontinental Pony Express. Lots have been written about that. Lots, lots of information available. Um, they almost always were with a stamp, a Wells Fargo Pony Express stamp on them. Um, there were, there are several different ones, but um, there are covers that uh, went by the Pony Express that don't have that stamp on them. There's. <coughs> There's one that we, we were talking about earlier um, <clears throat> that has, instead of having the common Wells Fargo Frank that you see across the top, this one has um, a printed Frank, and it says Overland. Um, here, I'm going to find it. You got it. Page 20. Yeah. I, wa I don't want to misdescribe it. Yeah. It says, yeah, we can't give bad information <coughs> here right. on the podcast. Well, no. no that would no be a information. Sin. I, I make it a point. No information I give is bad information. It might not be correct. But it's not bad. <laughs> so this this says paid Central Overland Pony Express Company. And see, it's just a regular mm. postal stationery. But that has a very distinctive Pony Express cancel on it. Got it. So we know that was used. Why don't you explain why they put it on that 
uh, 10 cent uh, envelope. Okay. So initially, the rate across country was 10 cents um, across the Rockies. That's the rate. Three cents um, for less than 3,000 miles, which covered almost all other postal routes, and 10 cents across the Rockies. So if you're in Nevada, um, Arizona at the time, and Oregon, California, it's a 10 cent rate to go to New York. So they printed Wells Fargo and, and the Overland Company, the Central Overland Company was the predecessor of Wells Fargo. And they would print their franc, they would print their franc on the uh, envelope and then sell the envelopes for like a quarter or something so that they got their fee paid plus the postage. So why then, if it was carried by a private company, why did they have to give the U.S. Post Office 10 cents for the envelope? Why didn't they just use their own envelopes? Do you, do you think it's any different today than it was then? Uh, well, I <laughs> the, mail, the, the, the mail route, the, the government held the monopoly on it and, and required them to use the postal stationery. Even though they were carrying it outside of the post office, never touched a post office, no postal employee ever saw any of it. It was all, it was because they... It went, it went on their ships or it went on their carriers when, you, when they got the stagecoaches and things like that. Um, and Pony Express obviously was carried by on horseback. So in, in every case, yeah, the mail was not touched by the Postal Service, but they got their postage. Because by act of Congress, mm -hmm. and this was a while ago, um, you were using a postal route. Right. And they defined postal route as basically anything. If you walked along a cow path and delivered mail, you go, well, that cow path is a postal route. You have to pay us. Right. So the government had a monopoly where even though you had a private company that never had anything go in, you had to use a U.S. envelope with U.S. postage paid because the U.S. government wanted to get their cut even back in the 1840s. Yeah. And it's, and it's um, probably, I don't know, maybe... 10 to 1, 3 cent rate covers that, that have survived. The transcontinental ones are very rare. Well, isn't there actually, if you did an overland route from, I think it's Virginia, or it, I think it's Missouri to Salt Lake City, if you went overland, it was a 3 cent rate. Yeah. Because it was 3,000 miles. Yeah, Brigham, you know, actually um, New York to Salt Lake or Salt Lake to New York area was three cents. Brigham Young, um, th they um, lobbied for that three cent rate with the argument that Utah wasn't over the mountains, it was in the mountains. <laughs> and, you know, if you look at the map, that's probably... It's arguable. It's arguable. And they won the argument, so yeah. hey. <laughs> the Salt Lake's in a valley, and there's mountains on both sides of it. So 
he was able to get that. I've seen covers from Nevada to um, the east. They're all 10 cent because they go over the mountains. Why don't we, we, so that people know that you know of what you speak, Jim, why don't you tell people what you collect? Okay. Because you have a very unique collection that is actually pretty awesome when you see the stuff in it. Right. Well, the um, the the collection I have was the basis for the book I did on Nevada Expresses, and I did a census of all the at that time all the uh, known uh, Virginia City covers, and I did the census by type of stamp because there were three different stamps they used during that period of time. There was a ten cent brown, and a twenty five cent blue, and a twenty five cent red. And nobody knows why they use those stamps and change the colors, but there's no overlap on the stamps. So I'm guessing that there was a very distinct reason within the company to stop. Obviously, the one from 10 cent to 25, that's that's an easy one. But anyway, they just don't overlap. So there was no uh, allowance for using the blue stamp after a certain period. You had to use the red one kind of interesting. So I did the census on that. Um, Richard Frajola has published a book several years ago that was a census basically of all the tra- transcontinental ponies. So it, between the two, these covers are well documented and you know, there's new finds all the time, I suspect, but there's a it's a pretty good census of what we have. So anyway, my my collection was kind of a um, an introduction to those different expresses. Then it w- the Wells Fargo was only part of what I collected and what I did because my collection has um, some of the obscure or lesser known private expresses that ran in the west in in Nevada. You know, either delivered mail into Nevada or from Nevada to California or somewhere else. Cool. Yeah. Well, Albert, you have the book in front of you. What do these Pony Express Mail stamps go for? What, on cover? On cover, yeah. Um, An actual Pony Express cover that was... Well, we just, we, well, talking about a Virginia City pony, we, um, we just tried to buy a strip or three of the 25-cent blue on a legal size cover that had a matching uh, strip or three of the... Uh, of the three cent 1861 Scott number 60 vibes on it, and um, it uh, it opened and closed to the book at 42.50 last week at Siegel's. Oh, uh, 42 dollars and fifty cents. No, 4250 dollars plus uh, 18 percent. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it, it it was pushing five grand. <laughs> now the um, now the the central overland ponies you're talking about. A minimum of twenty-five thousand dollars, and on the on your way up to maybe three quarters of a million dollars. The most um, the most expensive of the ponies are the uh, four-dollar stamps. Were on the two covers that originate in Hawaii, and they were official mail, and they had the four-dollar stamps. And each of those covers is sold. Um, it brought they brought a they brought a high when George Kramer bought one of them for I think six fifty. And since they've been resold, they, they're down to in the 400000 range. Mm-hmm. But those are the two 
two great covers. They're both official mail. They're sent to the uh, they're sent to the Treasury Department, uh, and they have uh, what they had in it was uh, they had uh, um, expenditures by the by the uh, consulate in Honolulu. And the can can we assume that these were not carried by horse? Um, I don't know because they were. Pony Express stamps. Yeah, Pony Express stamps. I think they were carried by I, the horse. I think they were too. From Hawaii? They, well, no. They, they went by. They went by. They went by ship to San Francisco, and then from there they went. Uh, they went overland by Pony Express. Well, well, so yeah. it's a combination then, like steamship, Pony Express. Right. Sailboat to San Francisco. Then steamboat. steamboat from San Francisco to Sacramento. Right, right. Then horse from Sacramento to probably St. Joseph or Saint something. St. Joseph, yeah. And, and then, then train right from St. Joseph to, <laughs> to Washington. To Washington. That is cool. Yeah. And, and probably delivered within a month. With all of that going on, and I don't. The remember. rest of the, the rest of the mail, the rest of the mail transit, because it's official mail, is, was was uh, it was endorsed and it, they didn't have to add U.S. postage to it. That's why they only have the four dollar stamps on it. Uh, they are the second most expensive uh, Hawaii-related covers that I know of. The most expensive being the Dawson cover with the two and five cent missionary that brought over two million dollars net. Hmm. Not a Pony Express cover. No. So we're going to poo-poo the, it here. Just poo-poo. I was just going to say, too, I think the $4 green used stamp is a really, really rare stamp just off cover. Mm-hmm. We're not very many of them known. And again, you, you pay, they paid the U.S. postage also on it? No, not well, Not I'm talking about the, the official covers that come from come from Honolulu. Yeah, but they, did uh, so official cover didn't have didn't to have, add postage to it? Correct. This oh, okay. the, the uh, it has because um, I'm looking at it they're and both, yeah. they're both legal they're both legal size covers. They have the $4 stamp on it. They have uh, they have the the uh, so-called running pony uh, cancel from San Francisco. They have the Green St. Joe's and then they also have the uh, Blue Wells Fargo Company and Express San Francisco hand stamps. And it's interesting. Also, it has uh, it has uh, uh, forwarding forwarding markings on the back. And so it was carried partially by independent companies. Well, and it has it has a red it has a red embossed seal on the back that says Consulate of the United of the United States Honolulu Oahu with an eagle on it. That is way cool. Yep, and. No, my, my question just was why wasn't it on a U.S. envelope right. and or had a ten cent stamp added to it or something? And it's because it's official it's mail. It's official mail, right? So in this in this same catalog, just to clarify, because we said almost every cover I've ever seen has either the Pony Express stamp on it or the Running Pony, but there is one illustrated here that is endorsed Pony Express from Fort Bridger. Paid two dollars, which would be the two dollar well without the stamp because they didn't have the stamp, and then um, a number thirty five looks like a number thirty five, yeah. and uh, on a three cent Stardi postal stationery. So what this was is 
uh, and what we would call a way cover in if it was ships or whatever, right? And the, this was picked up along the line. He's, he's riding from, I don't know, Virginia City to... Uh, Scranton. Well, Fort Bridger was one of the stops, you know, one of the stage or the Pony Express stops. And he picks up this letter. So they don't have stamps there because they don't normally mail the letters from there. So it's just endorsed, manuscript endorsed. So the, they do exist. And, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting. But, again, like I said, most of them will have this kind of a pony, running pony deal on it. How much was that stamp, or that one? Uh, the one I was just talking about? Yeah, because it doesn't have a, actually it's, a stamp on it. It's stampless. It, it's estimated at forty to $50,000. A good chunk of change. Yeah, especially considering it does not look like a pony. Yeah. You know, but obviously that's why it's so much money, because it's so rare to see the... In transit ones. And the interesting thing about this auction catalog that everybody is flipping through is you'll have a picture of the cover and then a page to two pages of write-up on it. So these covers have huge provenance to them. Yes. Yeah. And again, that's one of the reasons why um, they're so expensive. Well, it, it, it is my opinion that one of the whenever you have cross-category Mm -hmm. things go way up in value. So these may very well sell to stamp collectors. They may not. There's a lot of people who collect Pony Express stuff who are not stamp collectors. Well, those of us, those of us who, are, who are in our 60s and older remember when they used to have a program on television called Pony Express. Mm -hmm. That was a TV show back in the 50s. Yep. Well, it's, it's one of those things that seems iconic with the West. Yeah. Is the Pony Express. Absolutely. See, I was just sitting here thinking, Becca, that if we only had a Pony Express cover with a butterfly on it, you would go. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking, yes, Albert mentioned the Pony Express show, but I also watched a show called Young Riders when I was in oh. high school that was also about the Pony Express. Mm -hmm. So. Well, they did say when they advertised for riders, they said orphans preferred. Yeah. Yes. We were, t we were also talking about some of the famous guys that rode, you know, rode the Pony Express. And I think... Mr. Jerome Carson. Yeah. Will. Um, I, and, I, and I think uh, Bill Cody did, too. Mm. Well, Bill Cody, when he was a young man. And some of the other, uh, Howard Egan, which is, he's not as famous, but he, he has a great story. Oh, I disagree, because... After his retirement, he moved to uh, San Francisco and was one of the co-inventors of the tube sock. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Very, very famous. Well, he's famous for a lot of things. <laughs> tube sock. <laughs> Is that the thing they put up in airplane airports? Huh? Is that the thing they put up in airports? That's a windsock. So, That's a windsock. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I think we should also mention that next week is uh, at next week, which would be, um, I guess, the 12th and 13th. They're going to have Robert A. Siegel Auction Galleries is going to have the Gordon Eubank sale of uh, 1851 issues, including the uh, the famous uh, Scott Number no. Five Seven R One E strip on the cover that's ex Newberry, 
which has an estimate of two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. The fascinating thing about the collection, it's described on the, it's described at the bottom of the description of the Newbery cover, is that um, John Boker traded uh, traded this collection and a number of other collections for Gordon's collection of uh, of fancy of Waterbury cancels. So this cover, among other things, came as a part of a big trade. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, Mr. Boker was a gentleman who had built a number of really great collections. His greatest was a collection of German states that sold over, I guess, 14 or 15 catalogs in Germany. It well, brought about, it brought, I think, all together, brought somewhere around 12 or $14 million. Yeah, we were also... in. And when people are reading, or, and also when people are listening to this, we're predicting the future. You guys are actually looking at the past because as you're listening to this, it actually already occurred. So uh, we're going to uh, give some uh, predictions here. But we were discussing on our way back from brunch today about how these big, huge, giant sales are sucking a lot of money out of the markets right now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what exactly occurs over the next couple months as people kind of blow their wads on stuff that just doesn't come to market at all and has really high catalog values. So we'll see what occurs. That in addition to the fact that there's a whole bunch of inflation and there is a lot of money flowing into the market right now. So, Jim, do you own any Pony Express covers? Of course. <laughs> I, I, my, I was telling Albert my favorite one. I may, I may not have it forever, but my favorite one was the uh, Way cover that was picked up in Virginia City. Oh, that was yours. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because of the history of it. Yep. Well, if you don't have $42,000 or $420,000, uh, the New York Post Office or the Post Office New York, you will see covers that actually say P-O-N-Y, Post Office New York, and they will be express covers. So you can get, get a, a Pony, Pony Express. express from the 1880s, 1890s while they use this cancel. The problem is, is the cancel is usually on the back because it's a receiving mark. Um, so you can actually have a Pony Express cancel that never came close to it. Well, actually, it did come close to horses because they didn't have like cars and buses and stuff. So, you know, you could have a cover that actually was pulled in some wagon someplace by uh, a horse. By a horse. So uh, if you want a space filler, Post Office New York Express. There you go. And I think with that, uh, we'll get this dog and pony show off to the glue factory. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. 
You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.